to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're unfamiliar with these products or how they can benefit, you don't hesitate to give Artisan Botanicals a call. 405-458-9699. They're happy to answer any questions you may have. It's all about educating yourself on these products and how they can benefit you. I'm a customer at Artisan Botanicals, and I can just tell you the staff is fantastic. So uh, give them a chance, abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW at checkout for 15% off your online order. Plus, they have a drive through so it's easy, safe, and efficient pickup at Artisan Botanicals, abotanicalcompany.com. Hope everybody had a great weekend. It is NCAA tournament time. It's March Madness. And our guest is Zach Lancaster with PokesReport.com and Triple Play Sports Radio. Zach, Oklahoma State is a four seed. Your reaction to uh, yesterday's NCAA selection show? What? A four seed? You got to be kidding me. Uh, Did you throw something? I uh, I about did. You know, um... (laughs) It's it's one of those things where I'm 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 happy that they're in because it's been four years since they've been in the tournament, you know, and and in the grand scheme of things, a four seed, you know, when that's that's huge for Oklahoma State, you know, that's their when I think it's the highest uh, the highest they've been ranked since '05, I think is what it is, and and so it's it, it's huge, but when you when you really get down to it. Um, you know, we talked to we talked to Coach Boynton today, and and he summed it up perfectly uh, in the quote he gave up uh, gave us. He just said, "The only thing I'll say is I wish we uh, wish they valued winning more." Um, and then you look at what you look at what Oklahoma State did to end the to end the regular season. You know, they go on and you know they beat Texas the the first week of Tex uh, the first week of February. You know, they, they beat Kansas. They knocked OU off twice back-to-back once they were a top 10. Uh, they beat West Virginia twice. They were a top 10 team then. Uh, they, they beat Baylor in the semifinals of the Big 12. And, and you're telling me that two losses to TCU earlier in the year is what kept them from getting a three seed? Um, and I also thought what Boynton said uh, was, was a little interesting. You know, he goes – uh, I don't know how you look at it, and that's why I think we should have been at least a three seed. I think we were closer to a two than a four, but from the seeding list, we were closer to a five than a three. Yeah, and I'm I'm cool with a four in t- until you see that West Virginia picked up a three seed. That that to me is a little bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, there, there's no doubt, and I, I like the reference about uh, valuing winning because that's what it's all yeah. about. And look, you can have the the best resume in the country, but if you struggle down the stretch, are you really the team in November that beat a bunch of top five teams? Like, who you are late is who you are, and and I think yeah. even though you know you have to evaluate the entire resume, there should be more weight to what you're doing when it's tournament time. And I think Oklahoma State's one of the hottest teams in college basketball. I think if you had a straw poll uh, of teams that you don't want to play at this point, Oklahoma State would be on that list. Well, and that's it, it goes back to Boynton's first year when they got snubbed out of the tournament and you had all the national pundits in an uproar saying that they should have got in instead of OU. Um, you look at this year, and and honestly, I think you know that the the, the win – over Oklahoma State propelled Texas past Oklahoma State in the seedings, and 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 I'm okay with that. Right. Um, but 
when you look at the scenario, you look at what Oklahoma State had to do playing three games in three days, and what was it, they lost by five? And you look at Texas, who didn't have to play on Friday, and so if, if Texas plays Friday and they go into that game in the same scenario as Oklahoma State, then I honestly, I like Oklahoma State's chances better than Texas, and I think that probably should have been um, I don't think you you leapfrog Oklahoma and Texas with that, but I, I think that I think that deserves a little bit more merit than it did, um, and and that should have helped in putting Oklahoma State ahead of West Virginia. So um, it's it's an interesting scenario, um, and and I don't know if I've told you this before, but I'm big into conspiracy theories. I think they're a lot of fun, um, and the uh, the head of the the selection committee happens to be the athletic director. Uh, at Kentucky, and who didn't go to Kentucky? Cade Cunningham. So <laughs> that's a, that was a that was a fun little uh, scenario that I saw uh, and continue to see being thrown around Twitter. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of merit into it, but it's it's fun to think about, it's fun to talk about. Yeah, you made the point about comparing Oklahoma State and West Virginia, and and look, I know there's there are metrics that you can look at that that favor mm-hmm. West Virginia, but the bottom line is Oklahoma State beat this team twice in what the last yeah. what how many days? Uh, uh, beat them twice in the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah, like uh, yeah. However many days it's been, beat them twice. They beat the committee, one of the committee's number one seeds, mm-hmm. and then lost a close Big Twelve championship. Yeah, to me that just it, it seems very far fetched that that you could reasonably put those two teams side by side and go with. West Virginia over Oklahoma State. All that said, uh, the conspiracy theory thing I think is interesting. And look, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to get your take on this, and I'm sure there's been a lot of conversation about this in Stillwater over the last 24 hours, but Oklahoma State wasn't supposed to be here, right? I mean, this was a situation no. where Oklahoma State wasn't supposed to be in this postseason. Here they are. How much do you think the NCAA maybe measured that, regardless of whether they're supposed to or not? Oh, no, absolutely. Um, I, I think you look at it, and, and there's really two scenarios that, that play into that. One, they weren't supposed to be here due to the postseason ban, but you know, you look at what Oklahoma State's done in the past couple of seasons, um, and, and I don't think, you know, if, they may, if, there, if there is no postseason ban and they end up making the tournament, I think a lot of people thought that they would be, you know, uh, maybe 9, 10, 11 seed, you know, just kind of one of those last four in type of teams. Yeah. Um, and we're going into the Big Twelve. Tur- we're well, we're going into the, the Big Twelve title game, and you know Joe Lenardi and and Jerry Palm are flip uh, flip flopping back and forth between putting Oklahoma State at a two seed, one of the top eight teams in the in the in the tournament. And so you look at well, for me, as soon as as soon as the Big Twelve named Cade Cunningham the Player of the Year. That that to me solidified Oklahoma State into the into the postseason. I knew by I knew right then that the NCAA would not pass down judgment uh, on the appeal because Kate Cunningham is one of the best players in the country, and he brings a lot of eyes. A lot of um, I've seen a lot of national eyes and a lot of national Twitter accounts that never talk about Oklahoma State talking about Oklahoma State basketball. You know, every other night right. because of Kate Cunningham and and because of that. They're now, they're now talking about, you know, Caleb Boone and Avery Anderson and, and Isaac Likely is starting to get back into the mix. And so, and then a few days after he picks up the player of the year award, I don't know if you noticed this, but the NCAA sent out a tournament graphic and who was front and center on the tournament graphic about a week before selection Sunday, Cade Cunningham. 
So there was no way they were going to keep him out because when you lose $700 million last year, you're, you're trying to get as much money as you can from this tournament. Um, and because they couldn't keep him out, I just, I'm not, I, I don't want to sit around and say that the NCAA has it out for Oklahoma State because I don't want to be the tinfoil hat guy. Um, but it certainly has that feel every now and then. And, and this four seed kind of seems like a, well, we're going to stick it. We can't keep you out, but we can, we can stick it to you a little bit and drop you a few spots. Yeah. Immediately after the selection show, uh, I switched it over to ESPN. Jay Billis is talking about, you know, the seeds and, and who got great draws and who didn't. And he said, Oklahoma state got the toughest draw of anybody in the entire tournament. And, and look, mm-hmm. before, before we get to the Illinois stuff, cause I want to talk about that. Uh, let's just talk about these first two matchups potentially because uh, I, I, I was um, kind of j- checking out, you know, a lot of the the conversations around uh, who Liberty is and, you know, obviously Tennessee is, is also a, a very tough team should they win this first round game. Uh, Liberty was described as Virginia light, a team that just is, is not any fun to play and they're going to frustrate you. Um, and, and Jay Billis even said, if Oklahoma state gets past Liberty and then finished his thought. But I thought giving Liberty a lot of credit here for, for how difficult a team they are. Yeah, they're, they're pretty salty, you know, and and Boynton made a point today, you know, he talked about Kansas state and how, how frustrating Kansas state can be and, and how slow they, you know, how slow they drag a game out. Uh, And, and he said, I'm pretty sure Liberty is about five or six spots lower than them in the slow game. And, And Stephen Howard on the zoom call, you saw him, he was sitting there nodding his head. Um, Liberty's on a 12-game winning streak. <laughs> they, they, Liberty hasn't lost uh, since the middle of January. Um, now, I know that Liberty, they're not out there playing, you know, quad one games like Oklahoma State right. every other night. But, you know, when you, when you lose five games on a year, I mean, it, it takes me back to, you know, SFA back when, when Underwood and Boynton were there. You know, you get a, you get a team that, well, they're on the cusp. They're kind of good. They might not be good. We've never seen them play because they're in the A Sun, uh, and then they go out and you know you get a you get a number one team knocked off by a 16 seed. So I, I think Liberty is pretty salty um, yeah. I, right now. What is it? I think at least as of yesterday, Oklahoma State was a two point a favorite. Is not, what I saw. Oh, really? I saw yeah. there was a. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was. They. Initial reports, they were like a nine-point favorite, which is oh, yeah, yeah, curious. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, I, I was sorry, I was, uh, I was thinking, oh, you, yeah, the one I saw yesterday uh, out of the gate was eight points. Okay, yeah, and that, yeah, yeah. and that, that to me is wild, um, considering Oklahoma State hasn't been favorited in a game in God yeah. <laughs> month, month and a half, maybe. Um, well, look, the bottom so line I'm, is Oklahoma State's significantly more talented than Liberty. And, and oh, if, if, if this were a veteran team like a Baylor, I don't think we would even be having the conversation. But because it's a young, inexperienced team, yeah. a team that plays the style that Liberty plays, you, you just wonder if that can frustrate them and get them out of their game. But, I mean, it, from a talent standpoint, I don't think it's it's even a conversation. No, no, not at all. I, yeah. Talent, athleticism, um, you know, I, I think you look at, you know, Ice being the the lone junior, uh, they got two seniors on the team, but you know Bryce is is really spotty. You know, at, at times Bryce is really good, but most of the time he's he's struggling. Farron has has yet to make an impact. Um, I, I think if you're sitting there with you know if Avery were a junior, 
you know, you're, we're getting really, really good play out of Avery. I think if he were a junior or, or if Caleb were a junior and, you know, one of the freshmen were a sophomore, then, then I'm with you. You know, I'm, I don't think it's uh, – honestly, I, I don't think we're sitting here – I think a lot of people are looking forward to that Sweet 16 matchup. Yeah. Um, because – and, and I, that's the reason that, that Oklahoma State is put in that Midwest bracket. You know, there's there's no other there's no other way around um, that because they they want to see that Oklahoma State you know Illinois matchup because you know Boynton and Underwood I think that's that could be a, a really fun game I, I don't know exactly how it would go Illinois is really really good um, but it's it's a fun matchup to talk about that's for sure. I thought depending on Oklahoma State's draw, they could potentially be a Final Four team. Um, I, I think Jay Billis is absolutely right. I think it's probably the toughest draw in the entire yeah. tournament field. And then, after, you know, if you're able to win those first three games and get past the Sweet 16, then I think it, it is somewhat smooth sailing the rest of the way and, and the competition gets significantly easier. Uh, and, and look, you'd, you might play a West Virginia team that you've already beaten a couple times. How do you see, if, if Oklahoma State and Illinois match up, how do you see that going? Because... I, I like the matchup. I, I certainly think Oklahoma State has a chance. It seems a little bit far-fetched for me to just say they would win, uh, and I would probably pick Illinois if you, if you twisted my arm, but I, it's not one of those situations where I think it's a guarantee by any means. No. I think Oklahoma State right now, the way they're playing, could give any team in the country problems. Yeah, I, I think the, the one issue that, that Illinois presents, I mean, there's, there's more than one, but I, I think that main issue, if you're really looking at it, is Kofi Coburn down low. Yeah, You know, that's that's something that has given Oklahoma State trouble all season long. You know, Caleb is has greatly improved over the last month, month and a half. Um, but, you know, on any given night, he's going to give up 25 to 30 pounds um, and, and struggle down low. You know, and then you look at, you know, you look at the other guy that they can bring down there, M.A., you know, uh, Matthew Alexander, he, he gets in early foul trouble. You know, he, he really struggles trying to stay out of foul trouble. So, um, I like the guard matchups, you know, and, and now that we're, now that we're in the tournament, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Cade responds, you know, because in, in big moments we've seen him rise up and, you know, and, and really take Oklahoma state over the edge. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how ice responds and I'm looking forward to seeing how Avery picks it up because I, I, we knew how athletic and talented Avery was last year. Um, but I don't know if anyone expected Avery to score 41, uh, against West Virginia, a right. top 10 team without ice and without Cade and, and deliver them to a win. So um, I, I'm, I'm with you and I'm, I'm with Billis. I think that it is a really, really tough draw. Um, but I, I I think Oklahoma State has a chance to make it to that Sweet 16 and, and certainly make it a game. I don't, I don't think it'll be a blowout by any means. And that's we – are, we are down the line, you know, with that. Yeah. They got to get through Liberty first, and then obviously they got to get through uh, either Tennessee or Oregon State. Who, fun enough, I don't know if you know this, uh, former Oklahoma State Cowboy Maurice Kalu, who got kicked off the team a couple years ago, actually plays for Oregon State. So, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I found that out the other day. I was watching some highlights, and I was like, "That looks like Maurice." <laughs> and I looked it up, and sure enough, Maurice yeah. Kalu back in the orange and black. So, yeah. yeah. Well, they got to get past Liberty. They those two teams share a common opponent, by the way. They both uh, have lost yeah. to TCU this year. They're they're collectively zero and three against the non-tournament Horned Frogs from TCU. So, uh, man, if you did yeah. if you did if you told me to look at the schedule and point out a team and say you're going to get swept by this team this year, who's it going to be? 
I think they would be like my bottom three. I don't, I don't think I'd have them higher than eight. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. Iowa state's the only <laughs> one, the only one that's more absurd than that. Right. I mean, yeah. Wild. Yeah. Uh, before I let you run Cade Cunningham, where does he fit in the Oklahoma state basketball lore? Oh, top five. You know, I mean, you look at, you look at these incredible runs, you know, and, and you look at what he's been able to do. Um, uh, I agree with Mike Boynton when he says that, you know, it's not Cade Cunningham and a bunch of scrubs. You know, he certainly has talent, but, you know, you look at you look at what Cade has done night in and night out. Um, you look at where he's brought this team. You look at the, the national attention uh, that Cade has brought this team. Um, I'll be curious to see uh, exactly what his impact is uh, on recruiting moving forward, how you use him. Uh, and what he's done in the, on the recruiting trail, um, but but there's there's no question that that Oklahoma State is in the position they're in, a top five seed uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, with with like if they don't have Kate Cunningham, they're they're not in this situation. Um, he he can go out and score you twenty five every single night. When was the last time Oklahoma State has had a player that can go out and consistently score you twenty plus points a game? Um, now if he, what will really submit him in people's hearts and minds is if he goes out there and wins a couple tournament games, you go out there and you, you do what not many Oklahoma state teams over the last couple of decades have done. Uh, and that will, I, I think people already start to believe that Oklahoma state is back to being a basketball school. Um, but if you go out and win a couple of, a couple more postseason games, yeah, that's, that, that's, that, firmly cements him in the top five all time. He's just one of those guys where the talent level certainly is second to none, but I think the thing that makes yeah. him really special is the fact that in big moments, he never seems rattled. He, he actually, yeah. I think, seems more focused, and that's, that's I think, when you actually see the killer instinct come out, which I, I think you have to love. I mean, there are so many players that are great players, but melt when the pressure is on, and I think he gets better. Yeah, you look at, you look at this team, you know, and the, the – Two biggest knocks on him are turnovers and first half scoring drought. Yeah. But if you get enough scoring from everyone else to kind of keep you within a five to ten point game and he goes out and drops nineteen in the second half, I'm okay with that because guess what? You look at you look at what they've done in the last month and a half, and I think they've only lost what, three, three or four games since February? Yeah. Start of February. When when was the last time you could talk about an Oklahoma State team? It's only lost three or four games in February, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, I think Cade is certainly a top five, and, and by the end of this tournament, I think we'll be able to figure out if he's, if he's, you know, where at in that five he is. No doubt, Zach. Always appreciate it, my friend. Zach Lancaster, PokesReport.com and Triple Play Sports Radio. Let's catch up again soon, buddy. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Once again, thanks to Zach Lancaster for joining me on the show today. Does a great job covering Oklahoma State sports. You can follow him and his stuff at pokesreport.com as well as Triple Play Sports Radio in Stillwater. So seven teams from the Big 12 make the NCAA tournament. I think for me, the expectation, at least in the first round, other than Oklahoma, is that everybody else wins. And and look, I'm going to pick Oklahoma to beat Missouri. Uh, I, I just think it's two teams that... 
Certainly played better earlier in the season. Both teams struggling down the stretch. The Sooners have lost five of their last six. Missouri's lost six of their last nine. I think for me, the, the, the difference in these two teams is just that Oklahoma has a much higher ceiling. We've seen Oklahoma play at a really high level. And, you know, about a month ago, they were a top 10 team in college basketball and they've beaten really good opponents. So um, I think that's the difference for me in this matchup. But look, I, I don't think it's a, a gimme. Oklahoma is a two point favorite in this game. And it certainly wouldn't surprise me to see Missouri win this matchup. And look, I, I don't I don't anticipate that the winner is going to have much success in the second round against Gonzaga anyway. The number one overall seed undefeated on the season, Gonzaga. Uh, probably my pick to win the entire NCAA tournament, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I haven't finished my bracket. I did the first round today, uh, but I haven't gotten any further than that. I will, uh, when I get it finished, either tonight or tomorrow, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make sure to show it on the stream. Uh, so that'll either be on Tuesday or Wednesday before the NCAA tournament starts. But uh, yeah, it's look, I think the Big 12 across the board should win at least six games in the first round. And then Oklahoma, again, I'm picking them, but it's not a guarantee. Where I think it gets really interesting for the Big 12 in general is the second round. You look at potential second round matchups, and again, taking Oklahoma out of the conversation, because even if they get past Missouri, uh, that's that's about as far as the road is going to take them. Uh, but you look at the three number three seeds from the Big 12, Kansas has Eastern Washington, Texas Abilene Christian, and then West Virginia has Moorhead State. So again, all three should win those games. But I think if Kansas meets USC in the second round, and I haven't finished my bracket, like I said, but I'm leaning USC over Kansas at this point in the second round. I, Evan Mobley from Kansas is a machine, and uh, I, I just think it would be a really tough matchup for the Jayhawks should they meet the Trojans in the second round. Uh, you look a little bit further down, Texas would get either BYU, Michigan State, or UCLA. I think the way Kansas or, or Texas is playing right now, uh, they, they cruise through all of those teams. In fact, I, I think Texas I, is going to be a team that I really consider uh, taking all the way to the Final Four. That Texas-Alabama matchup in the uh, the Sweet 16 should be incredible if uh, if those two teams do get to, to actually play. But I, I think they're pretty safe into the, into the Sweet 16. Um, West Virginia has Moorhead and then the winner of San Diego State-Syracuse. Again, I think West Virginia just gets an incredible draw. And there's been a lot of conversation about Oklahoma and West Virginia – probably should have been flipped. I can just tell you now, again, I haven't finished my bracket, but if Oklahoma State were in West Virginia slot, I what, they're winning over Moorhead and the San Diego State Syracuse winner, and probably I would like them over Houston as as the two seed in, in that region. So I think West Virginia has a terrific draw, and I like West Virginia to at least get to the Sweet 16, and, and you know I'll evaluate it again beyond that. Um, Oklahoma State against Liberty. Oklahoma State's the more talented team. Uh, you know, I think the the situation here is Liberty's brand of basketball, the way that they play uh, has a tendency to frustrate opponents. And with Oklahoma State being a young team, you just don't know how they're going to respond if the game is somewhat stagnant and they're not having a lot of success. Do they allow that to kind of get them down. And, and I, you know, if this were a veteran team, then maybe this isn't even a conversation. Uh, I still like Oklahoma state to win the game. They're the better team. Cade Cunningham is playing amazing. You know, I'd like to see Avery Anderson bounce back uh, and, and uh, you know, 
find his his game again. Struggled a little bit against Texas, but he's a guy that I think is really talented and a valuable piece if this team's going to make a tournament run. But their second-round matchup against Tennessee, I think, is a really tough matchup. Uh, again, I, I would favor Oklahoma State to win that game, but that is certainly not a gimme and not a game that it's just a no-brainer Oklahoma State uh, onto the Sweet 16. So, uh, And then you got Texas Tech as a sixth seed. They've got Utah State in the first round. I expect that to, to be a victory. And then their second-round matchup against Arkansas, again, I think would be a great matchup. And that, to me, just kind of feels like a coin flip game. I could see that game going either way. So as far as the Big 12, I think these first two rounds, uh, first rounds should be across the board other than the coin flip for Oklahoma. Second round, I think Kansas would be in trouble if they met USC, but I would like Texas, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and then another coin flip game with Texas Tech and Arkansas. So um, I'm excited about this tournament. I'm excited to see what these Big 12 teams will look like on the big stage, and hopefully hopefully most of these teams are able to win to the point that at least they get to the Sweet 16 and we see them in some really good matchups from that point forward. And, and, you know, it was a conference that I thought all year long was, was just outstanding. Uh, so there you go. It's, it's uh, NCAA tournament time. And like I said, when I finish my bracket, whether that's uh, before I get, get done tomorrow or after, I will, uh, I'll put the bracket up on the stream so you guys can check that out. But I can just tell you already, Gonzaga is going to be my national champion. They are just the most complete team in college basketball. I've had the opportunity to watch them on several occasions and they can just beat you in so many ways. I mean, they they just have dudes. Uh, you know, for as much as... I, I talked about this on the podcast back in, like, November. But for as much as Cade Cunningham gets a lot of praise for how he, great he is as a freshman, I don't think Jalen Suggs at Gonzaga is that far behind. Freshman five-star point guard for the Zags. He is also an outstanding talent. And then you, you, you pair him with a bunch of veteran, talented players from Gonzaga... Um, yeah, they just don't really have a weakness. So uh, they are they are really complete. And again, they have a ton of firepower. They have versatility. I like the Zags. And, you know, I, I, was, I was disappointed early in the season when we were robbed of that Gonzaga-Baylor matchup because I felt like those were easily the best two teams in college basketball. And the interesting part about Baylor now is, you know, with all that time off, you just wonder, are they at their best right now? And will they be able to get there uh, throughout this run, I, I think they will. I I, I have them uh, just off, you know, just looking at the bracket. I I, I think I safely have them uh, advancing to the elite eight. But um, you just like to see them, you know, find refined. I guess is the way to say it. Uh, that uh, that top gear, uh, so that if they do make it to a final four or a championship game, you're getting the very best of Baylor because they're a really tough team as well. I'm excited to see what Cade Cunningham is going to do on this big stage. He's gotten better and better and better as the season has gone on. And now that we're at the end, you just feel like he's at his best. He's a guy that when the pressure is on, he looks as calm as anybody on the floor. Uh, and you got to love that out of your star player. But look, this is the NCAA tournament. This is the spotlight. It doesn't get any bigger in college basketball than this. So, I'm excited to see what this tournament run is going to look like for not just Oklahoma State, but Cade Cunningham as an individual player, which got me thinking over the weekend, where does Cade Cunningham's freshman season stack up as far as college basketball great freshman seasons? And, you know, I think 
it's hard to really put him in a spot right now because we're about to play this NCAA tournament. And if Oklahoma State goes on this incredible run, it, that that no doubt is going to elevate his spot on that list. I, I would just say this, at, at this point in time, he's on the list. I, I don't know where yet. Um, for me, like when I start thinking about the best freshman seasons in college basketball, Carmelo Anthony is is the one that, that comes to my mind first. That run that Syracuse went on, I think they beat like four Big 12 teams in that 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 tournament run. They win the NCAA championship. Carmelo Anthony was outstanding. Kevin Durant and Michael Beasley are also right at the top of that list for me as well. Both Big 12 players of the year, both national players of the year. Um, both of those guys were just so much better than everybody they played against the entire season. That uh, and the numbers, I mean, the numbers from both of those guys are just incredible in their in their one seasons at uh, Texas and Kansas State. Anthony Davis is another guy that, as a freshman, you could just tell that there was he was so skilled anyway, and he was so good. But there was so much more there; it was still very raw. And Kentucky wins the championship led by Anthony Davis, so he's got to be on that list. Uh, Greg Oden might be a guy that I would consider putting on that list. I don't remember. I don't remember exactly what his numbers were, and I know he, even his freshman year he did miss some time, but he did lead Ohio State to the national title game that season. And, you know, when he when he was playing, he was a, a big-time force. So he probably has a spot on that list somewhere. I, I don't know that it's, it's at the top. Uh, Trey Young. Trey Young averages 27 points a game as a freshman at Oklahoma in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, look, say what you want about Oklahoma's struggles that season at the end of the year and how they they kind of fell apart and the wheels came off. But as far as just evaluating Trey Young's freshman season, he's no doubt on that list. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, as far as best freshman in college basketball history, best freshman seasons, I guess I should say, Cade Cunningham is on the list. I just don't know his spot. And look, if, if he leads Oklahoma State to the national championship, obviously that massively elevates the season. If they go on a Final Four run or an Elite Eight run, I think that elevates the season. If they're one and done, you know, that probably takes a lot of the shine on what they've been able to accomplish over these last few weeks away. So uh, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to put him in a spot on the list when he's about to be on the biggest stage of, of his college career. So... Uh, I, I just think it's a remarkable season. The guy has done nothing but improve for a guy that came into the season with massive expectations, that came into the season expected to be the number one overall pick in the next NBA draft, and for him to not only never really struggle, but but not only show up as a good player from day one, but to continually improve and get better and watch the team elevate around him, uh, to the point that we're at now, uh, and and look, the other thing that I love about Cade Cunningham's game is the fact that in the crucial situations, in the pressure situations, not only is he the most talented guy on the floor, but he also looks like the most calm guy on the floor. He he just looks like a guy that doesn't get rattled in those big game, big situation moments. So Cade Cunningham obviously is is one of the most incredible basketball players in Oklahoma State history. And look, we'll have to have that conversation as well after this tournament run. But he's on the list of best freshman seasons that I've seen. And we'll figure out, you know, where on that list he belongs maybe in a couple weeks. All right, last thing today. Uh, the Thunder trade Hamadou Diallo last week. I think it was Friday night I saw the news. Thunder trade Hamadou Diallo for Svi Mikhailuk 
who's a former Kansas Jayhawk, and a second-round pick. So, not a surprise to me. Um, I, I saw a lot of people surprised on, on Twitter over the weekend about this trade, and this is kind of a no-brainer in my mind. Hamadou Diallo is a guy coming out of Kentucky that I really liked, and, and you could see it at Kentucky. The athleticism was there, and certainly he's just one of those elite athletes that you hope the basketball stuff uh, develops as time goes on. But I loved him coming out of Kentucky, and when the Thunder were able to get him, I, I thought this is a great situation. You've got this guy that you can develop, and, and we'll see what he ultimately becomes. The Thunder are in rebuild mode, and I, I think when you look at where he is right now, there's no doubt that you're starting to see progress in his game, and he is developing, and he's becoming a better player. But now he's going to be a restricted free agent after this season. And look, for that, for that point, so is Svi Mikhailuk. The difference is... You're getting a second-round pick, which is just another asset to, at some point, be traded to move up in a draft or whatever the situation ultimately becomes. But but the Thunder in rebuild mode need as many of those as you can get. But look, as far as the trade straight up even, is Hamadou Diallo a better player? Probably. Do I like him more? Probably. But I think when you just evaluate today's NBA... Finding a guy like Hamadou Diallo isn't nearly as difficult as finding a guy that can shoot really well. And when, you know, we, we've, we've seen this for the last decade in OKC. The Thunder are always in the market for athletic wings, and they always have athletic wings. A guy like Hamadou Diallo, if you lose that skill, it's not like you can't find it somewhere else. Now, again, that, I, I, there, I understand that Hamadou Diallo is an elite athlete, uh, but you can still find great athletes that play the wing position in the NBA. There, there's just a million of those guys. There aren't a million guys that shoot really well from the outside. And as far as the Thunder are concerned, if you're in rebuild mode, you're not dedicating money to re-sign guys unless they're foundational pieces. I mean, anybody that's not on a rookie contract, I think, is is up for grabs on the trade market unless... It's a foundational piece, and it's a guy you want to build around. With Hamadou Diallo, again, even even though we've seen the improvement, especially over the last few weeks, um, it, there's he just doesn't possess a skill that is a rarity in the NBA. He doesn't possess a skill that would be difficult to find. And I would also say this. As far as the Thunder and the tank situation, the Thunder are tanking. And, and I know some people don't really understand what tanking means. Tanking doesn't mean that your goal, the player's goal, is to go lose games. The players are going to try to win as many games as they possibly can. Tanking means the front office is going to position the team to lose as many games as they can. Uh, So Hamadou Diallo is certainly one of the best five players on this team. Hamadou Diallo certainly makes a difference in wins or losses more than the guys that are going to pick up his minutes over the remainder of the season. So trading Diallo... um, it, it, first of all, allows other players to get more minutes and allows you to potentially develop other players, but it also takes a step down and uh, it just, one more time, positions you to maybe lose more games and get a better better potential lottery position. Uh, so you're, just, you're not re-signing role players that aren't on rookie contracts when you're rebuilding. That's the bottom line. He's a nice player. He's not a foundational piece, and you're not going to give him second contract money uh, for for that situation. So 
That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're unfamiliar with any of these products or their benefits, don't hesitate to give Artisan Botanicals a call, 405-458-9699. Their staff is dedicated to helping you live a better life and answer any questions that you may have. So, again, no stupid questions. Call and ask anything that you're curious about as far as these products and their health benefits. Uh, And we're also saving you 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code ColbyShow, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W. Discount code ColbyShow for 15% off when you order online at abotanicalcompany.com. Everybody have a great day, stay safe, and I'll see you tomorrow. Podcast is over.